T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, at your service. It's the KMOX Dollars and Cents Show with Dave Simons from the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Hello, St. Louis and surrounding areas. Yeah, it's been a while. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Howdy. Good to talk to you all. Um, By the way, stealing a house, I've heard it all. Uh, But I digress. We are here to talk about uh, investments, the economy, market conditions. Howdy, everyone. My name is Dave Simons, certified financial planner, all-around nice guy, head of the Simons & Cordes Wealth Management Group, located within the friendly confines of UBS Financial Services. Well, it has been a while, and I, I, I knew coming on here, I thought, man, how long has it been since I've actually hosted the Dollars and Cents show? And I went back in my notes, October 30th. 14 weeks ago. And, um, you know, the first thing that jumped out at me as I thought about that back in October, oh, yeah, I remember that show now because we were making a pretty big deal about the fact that October, which had officially come to an end for market conditions, of course, one more day left the the very next day on the 31st. But at that time, with one day left, October was going to post, and in fact, it indeed posted, its best month since January of 1976. Remember that? Whether or not you listened to the show, perhaps you read about that, heard about it, but October, this past October, was the best single month for the U.S. stock market since January of 76. I mean, we're we're going back to bicentennial days for those of us who are a certain age and remember those days well. Um, I was in eighth grade back then, so I was just a young tyke, a young lad, but I remember it well back in 76. And, yeah, it had been that long since we had experienced any kind of a profitable month like uh, last October. So that's how long it's been since I have hosted the Dollars and Cents show 14 weeks ago. Now, here's – but there's there's a lesson to be learned here. Because at that time, at the end of October, perhaps as an investor, you've already sort of forgotten about that. But when you're in the moment, it's the most important thing that you can think of, right? What if it had been the other way around? What if October had been like the worst single month since 1970-whatever, or since 2000, or since 87, the 87 crash? Well, then you would think, oh, my goodness, this is where we're going. This is horrible. But I'm telling you, usually three, four months later, you've already forgotten about it. 
you have to remember that as an investor. We tend to get caught up in whatever is happening in front of us. We get very myopic. This Okay, this stuff right in front of me is the most important thing. No, it's not. Whatever it is, good or bad, you will forget about this particular moment in time. You always have to think much longer term. October was really extreme. It was historic and in a good way. And yet I bet you if I went and started asking regular investors, hey, do you remember at the end of October how things were going? Mm, Let me think. Um, I think they were pretty good, weren't they? Oh, yeah, historic, best month since uh, January of 76. So at that moment, okay, it's at the end of October, this past fall, and you knew that the next Dollars and Cents show was not going to occur until the first Sunday of February, February 5th. And you're thinking, okay, when Dave is on next, I wonder how the market will look then. We're coming off one of the best months in history and the best since 1976. Holy cow. Um, I don't know. Does that mean the market is set up to fall? Boy, I, I, I wish I had some economic statistics in front of me to help me out. Okay, let's play that game. It's at the end of October, and you say, um, okay, next time, Dave, you're on. Will the the Fed still raising rates? Oh, yeah, yeah, still aggressively. They haven't stopped yet. Maybe they're slowing down a little bit, but they haven't yet. Oh, okay, well, I guess that was to be expected. Maybe the economy is slowing down enough that there are signs that the Fed may not hike as much. Well, I don't know. We just got an unemployment rate this past Friday that blew away all estimates. Nobody more than double the consensus estimates. Ooh, yeah, that that's not I mean, that's good in a way, but not great for the market because doesn't that mean the Fed all their dirty work hasn't really worked? The jobs market's still hot and heavy? Yeah, you might say that. Huh, okay. Um Russia, Ukraine, tell me about that. Have things settled down? No, no. In fact, uh, Russia seems to be getting hot and heavy in eastern Ukraine again, about to uh, go back in, amassing many more troops and getting ready for another surge. Ooh, that's not good. Yikes. Uh, Dave, tell me something good. Okay, how about this? Despite all that information and additional data, since October 30th through this past Friday, the S&P 500 is up another 6%. That's an annualized gain of 22.3%. Would that surprise you? If you're honest, it would. The NASDAQ, that high-powered, high-tech index, even better. Since October 30th, since I was last on, the NASDAQ through this past Friday is up 8.2%. Now, remember, this is coming off an historically strong October. And we're up another 8.2% since then in the NASDAQ. That's an annualized gain of 30.5%. Oh, but wait, there's more. It's not just the stock market. Bonds have rallied. Bonds, after having their worst year ever in the history of bonds, dating back to when they were first recorded, the first year of our republic in 1789. I usually get an email when I say that. Dave, first year is 1776. No, that's when we declared our independence. 
The actual first year when George Washington took over and we had the first year of our actual republic was 1789. But I'm parsing little semantic data here, all right? So anyway, that's the farthest our research goes back is 1789. What we just went through in 2022 is the worst year in the history of the bond market. Isn't that something? Since October 30th, though, bonds have rallied because the yield of the 10-year bond has fallen from 4.01% down to Friday's close of 3.52. That's a decline in yield of close to 14%. And remember, there's an inverse relationship between price and yield. When the yield of bonds goes down, the value of current bonds goes up. So the bond market has also rallied. But wait, there's more still. Cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin, after having a horrible 2022, has also rallied since my last show on October 30th. Bitcoin, in fact, all cryptos are are up significantly. Bitcoin specifically is up 13.6%. So it's across the board, my friends. Um, International stocks have done even better than U.S. stocks, small caps, large caps, value growth. Everything is up. I think that that would surprise a lot of people, knowing in a way that the data necessarily doesn't support it. Oh, let me add one more thing. I told you about the jobs market really hot, hotter than the Fed would like, which perhaps pushes off any chance that the Fed is going to actually cut interest rates by the end of the year. I don't think they will. That's a personal opinion. But earnings, corporate earnings overall have come down. Now, that was expected. But the number of companies that are actually beating estimates is really low compared to uh, history. So what in the world is going on here? And should we continue to stay optimistic here that this thing's going to continue? Or does history suggest any particular direction for the market? Actually, history does suggest. And it's not that great. But do we follow history this time? There are a lot of moving parts here. So... My friends here at 315 in St. Louis, um, we got a lot to talk about on this edition of the Dollars and Cents Show before I sign off at 5 o'clock. This sort of sets the stage where we are in the market, where we think we might be going here in the near term, if that really means anything to us as long-term investors. But I've got lots of other stuff, even talking about the jobs numbers. Uh, there was a, a really eye-opening article in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend about those who used all their stimulus money and went crazy and bought all the meme stocks where they are today. So stay tuned, folks. My name is Dave Simons. This is the Dollars and Cents Show, and we shall return. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela 
is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, my friends, welcome back. This is the Dollars and Cent Show. For those of you wondering, yeah, I'm still here. I, I, they still, um, you know, they get the mothballs taken off the show and occasionally will ask me to come back down here um, to the KMOX studios and say, hey, you mind doing the old Dollars and Cents show? So, yeah, it's been 14 weeks, but here we go. Next week, I'll be on again. <gasps> wow, two weeks in a row. My goodness. It's probably been close to a year since I've done two weeks in a row. Um, by the way, I'm looking out at the... The, the studio windows here and just am reminded of how beautiful this weather is for, for this time of year. It's gorgeous and it's going to continue. I guess uh, it's like 57 degrees tomorrow, a high of 56 on Tuesday, even as late as Thursday, 55. And um, I'm reminded a lot of, you know, that I do a lot of traveling, a lot of traveling. In fact, I was just down in Fort Worth this week, flew back into St. Louis, got in last night at about seven thirty. And uh, for those of you who are in tune to national weather, you may recall that the Dallas-Fort Worth area, in fact, much of Texas, was just blanketed with an ice storm, which is not that uncommon down there. But even by their standards, this was a real doozy. So my wife and I were homebound from Monday evening down there in Fort Worth till Thursday night. You couldn't get out. Now, they don't have any really, they don't really have snow trucks or plow trucks because they don't get snow. They're not equipped even for ice, which is amazing to me because they do have ice storms. And they don't really even use salt. They'll put sand out. Now, where we were staying was in this, this somewhat of a larger neighborhood. I'm gonna, I mean, this was a huge neighborhood. I'm, there more than 5,000 residents, I think, of this one neighborhood. And you know, not one truck ever came through. Not one. So literally... On these neighborhood roads, 25-mile-an-hour speed limits there, it was just pure ice for three days. And you couldn't, you literally could not leave. And for someone who does as much working out as I do with running and biking and swimming and all that stuff, I couldn't take it. So this neighborhood has a little gym a half mile from this home where we were. And I, I, I couldn't take it, so I finagled my way down there. I just had to have a little pass card, and I called in advance. Hey, I don't even know if this does your neighborhood thing even open. And uh, somebody who was a, a neighbor there said, "Yeah, nobody actually works there. It's just open twenty four seven. As long as there's power in the building, have at it." So I went down there, and there were probably five or six other people, but. At least I got to use the treadmill in there, and I did some weights and did the rowing machine. But, oh, my gosh, I thought, even here back home in St. Louis, we get six, eight, ten inches of snow. And we might be homebound for a couple of days, but by then we there might still be snow on the ground, but at least we can get out a little bit. Not there. Ice comes in, blankets, and you are stuck, man, and that's rough. So, 
But they, too, now have beautiful weather. In fact, even better than us. No surprise. They're, they're hitting over in the, in the 70s tomorrow. Um, but I'm not going to complain. Now that I'm back home, I'll take upper 50s for this time of year. Back to the task at hand on the Dollars and Cents show. Hello there, everybody. Dave Simon's with you, of course. So I was talking about the last time I was on the show back in late October and how well the market has continued to perform since then. And I think it would be a bit of a surprise to most people if you somehow had a crystal ball there back on October 30th, knowing how well the market had performed in the month of October. And then looking ahead, if someone told you, yeah, the Fed's still raising rates, corporate earnings, though, um, on the other side are coming down, Uh, the jobs market. On the one hand, it's great news that it's still so strong, stronger than expected. But that usually would tell Wall Street, "Uh uh-oh, the Fed's work isn't done then because that's been their biggest concern is the job market. Way too strong, and that could push wages up. So all of that, Russia, Ukraine, of course, hasn't gone away And yet here we are 14 weeks later and the market is still acting strongly. And so I think a lot of investors rightly are asking, are we getting a little greedy here? Is the market ahead of itself? Now, let me give a little bit of a personal disclaimer as I get into this to say, we don't know. Nobody can know for sure. And it's really tough to use history this time around because this whole post-pandemic recovery There's no known history that is a a real proper guide to us. So as I go back and I do research and I say, okay, well, here's a similar time with the way the market's acting. But everything behind it, there's no comparison. Stimulus checks, uh, the fastest fall into a bear market in history back in March of 2020, the fastest recovery, the shortest recession, Uh, trillions of dollars of additional spending and checks that just went directly into mailboxes. I mean, we've never seen anything like this. But I still think that we can gain something by looking back in history. So let's attempt to do that, shall we? Back in the year 2000, as we would now know, that was the start of the so-called Internet bubble bursting. We know the late 90s were almost unprecedented in a five-year return, led by the high-growth area of the NASDAQ, which had all these new Internet-related companies. Okay, we know the history there. And and that bubble was first popped uh, starting uh, in early 2000. In the year 2000, the NASDAQ tanked. To this day, it's still the worst calendar year return for 12-month period in the NASDAQ. In 2000, it fell 39.3% in one year. In January of 01, however, after that horrible record-breaking year, the NASDAQ popped up 10.3%. And I remember this well. So there are there's a lot of guesswork. Okay, is the bear market over? Yeah, a lot of people were saying, yeah. I mean, come on, the NASDAQ just fell 39%. What is it going to fall, like 60 or 70%? I mean, come on. The damage is done. Market's telling you here, January of 01, it's popped back up 10.3%. Good times are returning. Uh, Not so much. (laughs) That was very short-lived. By the end of 2001, the NASDAQ had fallen for the year. 21.1%. So it gave up its 10% gain and ended the year down 21. So that 
from the peak fell another 30% from the end of January. And we weren't done yet. 2002, a 31.5% drop. The NASDAQ overall during those three years fell more than 80%. Nobody called that. There are people calling for the NASDAQ bubble to pop, but not to that degree. By far the worst in history. Let's hope that we don't repeat something like that. So what's the comparison? Okay. 2022, the year just ended, the NASDAQ fell 33.1%. Now recall in 2000, it fell 39.3%, even worse. January of 01, people started to feel better because the NASDAQ jumped up 10.3. This time around, after last year's 33% decline, January NASDAQ was up 12.9%. And you start to hear, hey, I think the worst is over. Mm. That, don't misunderstand me. I'm kind of being coy here, somewhat cryptic. I don't mean to be. I am not implying at all that 2023 is going to follow 2001's lead. The conditions just are not the same. One of the the major differences is the S&P 500, which is the broader uh, barometer of the stock market, isn't nearly as overvalued today as it was back then. Even the Dow Jones Industrial Average is cheaper than it was back then. Um, The... Fed was even continued to aggressively raise rates. This time around, the Fed's starting to back down. They only raised rates a quarter of 1%, as you know, this past week. Um, There are a lot of differences, which tells me, without making a prediction on what the NASDAQ or the broader market will do this year, folks, I just can't come to the conclusion that it will mirror and match what we saw some 20 years ago. With that said, Are we a little ahead of ourselves? I think there's a possibility. That doesn't mean anything to us who are long-term investors. What it may mean is if you are thinking that you want to suddenly shift from a moderate type of allocation into something more aggressive because of what the NASDAQ just did, I would caution you a little bit on that. Just some friendly advice, but you have to decide that on your own. Talk to your advisor or work this through on yourself. But I think the market probably is in store for a little bit of a timeout here in the very, very near term. Let's continue on this theme when we come back with more dollars and cents after this. All right, folks, welcome back. This is the Dollars and Cents Show, and it is exactly 336 here in St. Louis. Uh, A side note, we've got the uh, television on in here, and we're talking about the fact that they don't really have the pro bowl game anymore and probably a good idea nobody watched that anymore and they didn't hit and it's kind of like the nhl all-star game you know you get these 10 to 6 or 14 to 10 games and so now they do more of a skills competition for football but i was reminded of this i i had just mentioned something about 1976 in the market those of you a certain age do you remember when the reigning super bowl champion team would take on the college all-stars That's a thing. Look it up. In fact, I just did to remind myself. I thought, I know I wasn't dreaming this. And I remember specifically the Pittsburgh Steelers playing a group of college all-stars in a real football game. Whoever thought that was a good idea? And sure enough, there it is. Last one was 1976. It was the reigning Super Bowl champions. And so it really was Terry Bradshaw throwing to Lynn Swan and 
handing off to Franco Harris and yet Mean Joe Green and taking on college all-stars. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if people got hurt, but I just thought, can you imagine even thinking about doing that today? Uh, nobody would be in favorite. Uh, in t- well, fans would. I think that would be cool. I would tune in for that. But, boy, the players' union would jump all over that today. It would never happen. But, uh, once again, I digress. Back to the task at hand in modern times. I, before the break, I talked about the fact that um, after a really brutal year in the stock market last year, worst since 2008, we're off to a really good start here in 23. In fact, this, the, the good start actually started in October. If you go back and look at the lows from late September, we're up double digits in the markets. And it's not just stocks. It's bonds. It's gold. It's uh, cryptocurrencies. Everything performed well. Even though a lot of the concerns that we had last September really haven't gone away. Except maybe one. This whole idea that there's an inevitability about us going into a recession has lightened up a little bit. I've been on, it's been my opinion this whole time that I think we still have a mild recession in front of us. But I've also said that's not an opinion I'm willing to die on the hill for. I, I'm i willing to look at the data to come out and say, man, maybe somehow the Fed pulls this thing off. I, I wouldn't have thought it possible. But the so-called soft landing where we avoid a recession, inflation comes down to a reasonable level, they stop raising rates, and at some point, maybe in 2024, they actually cut rates a little bit, and then the economy starts to expand big time again. That's possible. People who say there's no way, you you can't ever say the two words, no way when it comes to predicting the economy and the markets. So as we sit here today, and as I look at my crystal ball going forward through 2023, I have no idea what the markets will look like at the end of the year. But I think here in the near term, I would be okay with a little bit of a pullback or at least a settling down. I I don't want to repeat the greed that got us into the problems in 22 to begin with, where all the meme stocks were going crazy um, we had all sorts of speculative behavior that was occurring. People get spending their stimulus checks, which, by the way, we'll get into some real-life stories about that in the second hour. So sure enough, greed has been coming back into the marketplace to it. There's something called the CNN Fear and Greed Index. And it is just like it implies. They look at seven different categories. And they range from, oh, market momentum. There is data about that. Uh, Stock price strength, so the direction of the market, which obviously has been quite positive. The breadth of the market, which is shares going up versus shares going down, the volume of it. Put and call options, that's something that they look at for the fear and greed index. Um, Junk bond demand, if there's a big demand for Non-investment grade bonds, well, that's a risk on trade. That means some greed is coming back on. And there's some other factors as well. Then what they do is they plot it on a scale of 1 to 100. They take all these seven factors, and this has been around for, for decades, and neutral is right at 50. One is extreme fear. 
extreme fear like, oh, my gosh, uh, like Wall Street's going to implode tomorrow. Then you have extreme greed, mortgage the house and buy as much of Internet-related stocks and crypto as you can find. Where are we right now? We're at 76. What does that mean? Extreme greed is categorized starting at 75. Uh Uh-oh. But what does that mean? If you're a contrarian, which I really recommend you adopt that kind of a philosophy as an investor, don't be typically in the vast majority of an opinion. You look at this extreme greed meter and say, yeah, typically that means the market, it might be topping out near term. Now, it's not a perfect indicator. So, again, I have to be careful here. I'm not predicting some big calamity here or a crash or even a major correction. Not at all. At the very least, maybe it just sits here for a while. What I am saying is the chances that this market, which has been really strong, honestly, since late September, but especially here at the beginning of 23, Looks like it's a little ahead of itself. It just it just has that feel. And when I look at this fear and greed index, it cements that a little bit for me. So that doesn't mean anyone should change anything. We're not really changing much in our own portfolios. We're defensive enough. But for those folks who, let's say you just came into a lot of cash, you won the lottery, you just got an inheritance, which has had not already been invested, and you want to take that money and like, oh, man, the market's doing great. I'm going to put it all in. You might want to think about dollar cost averaging that here for a little bit. It's okay. You can put in some tomorrow, whatever percentage fits into your risk profile. But be careful about getting too greedy here after the market has already been performing so well. Now, there's another indicator that I use which doesn't tell the same story. So I find this odd. And that is the American Association of Individual Investors, AAII. It's something that I have followed since day one. It's been around since 1987. And it's my number one sentiment indicator as a contrarian. When there's a lot of greed in that index, it's got a great history of predicting market-topping behavior. When there's a lot of fear and the number of bulls is way down low, I start to get a little greedy at that point. So where is that index? Is that also showing a lot of greed? No. That's the funny thing here. So you've got this CNN fear and greed index, which is a contrarian indicator, showing for the first time in a while we've got some greed back in the market, which should provide some caution. But here's the AAII index, which shows of all of those who participate, You can choose one of three uh, answers. Are you bullish, neutral, or bearish on the stock market over the next six months? Very simple question. 29.9% say they are bullish. So let's call it 30%. This survey, which has been around since 87, the average bullish percentage is 37.5. So we're not even above average. The bear number, by the way, average for, what, 35, 36 years, the average 31% even. We're at 34.6 today, with the rest 35.5 right at neutral. So, 
One more thing on that, too. By the way, we have been under the average bullish number. Remember, the long-term average is 37.5. We have not been above 37.5 since December of 21. This is the longest streak in history of this index dating back to 87. I find that fascinating. So this is your average mom-and-pop investor. Here's the difference. The CNN greed, fear and greed index, is everything. It's institutions. It's your big boys and girls on Wall Street and mom-and-pop investors all taken together. AAII is just people like you and me. It's the individual investor. So it seems like if there's any greed that's occurring out there, it's the big billion-dollar type of money managers. Again, I find that fascinating. And they're supposedly called the smart money. We'll we'll see at this point. But I do like the fact that mom and pop still are a little cautious. That's why, even though the CNN fear and greed index is an extreme greed, I don't think there's going to be some huge crash or decline because the average retail investor really hasn't been that greedy. It keeps the market honest. We'll be right back. All right, folks, it's 349 in St. Louis. You are listening to the Dollars and Cents Show live. What else? Here in the downtown KMOX studios, Dave Simons along with you. So the unemployment report came out on Friday, and it typically comes out at uh, 730 Central Time. As I had mentioned earlier, I was down in Fort Worth, somehow navigating my way out of the ice-covered home and neighborhood before flying back home uh, last night. So I was on the line with my partners here back in St. Louis as we were getting ready for the report to say, you know, what it looks like consensus is maybe anywhere from 185,000 new jobs to, you know, 190. Some of the more bullish numbers I saw were like 225,000 new jobs for January. And so not that we were looking to make any changes to model portfolios or anything. We just find this thing more fascinating and interesting than anything else. And we sort of have fun predicting market reaction among ourselves and figured, well, if the number comes out higher than 200, then you can expect probably a little bit of a sell-off in the stock market. The reason being is The Fed clearly wants the job market to settle down a little bit. The Fed, as you know, is trying to fight inflation. And with a hot job market and subsequently maybe seeing wages continuing to go up and up and up, well, that's how we really got into a lot of trouble back in the 1970s. People forget, yeah, I know it was oil and all that, but as much as anything, it was this wage inflation that really ran rampant and the Fed just could not contain it. And so the Fed's really worried about that. They don't want the 1970s to repeat themselves. So, and I thought on the other side, though, if the number comes in below expectations, you might see a market rally because that would tell Wall Street that the Fed's dirty work of raising rates is starting to uh, work. It's having its intended effect on the job market. So here comes the number. Holy crime in Italy, 517,000 new jobs for January. Not even close. I've been at this for a long time, and so maybe my memory is a little foggy here, but I honestly do not recall a miss like that. 
not the nominal number itself. It wasn't that long ago as we were recovering from the pandemic where we had months that were creating more than 500,000 jobs. I'm talking about missing the consensus estimate from the average economist on Wall Street. Again, that number was less than 200,000, and it came in at 517. So I'm watching the futures, which I think, if I remember right, were up a little bit, and then they just tanked. No surprise. But then a funny thing happened. The market turned after it opened at 8.30. And at, at various times during the afternoon, the market was up on Friday. Mind-boggling to me and everybody else. You had this hot number. There, the most bullish estimate that I saw in the market was less than half of that 5.17. And yet the market was positive. Now, it did end down on the day, but but little. We're just splitting hairs here. So something is occurring here in, in, in the machinery of the market that has a, a real bullish tint to it. I think, again, it's getting a little ahead of itself. But let's put that aside. Let's put the market, the stock market aside for a second. My friends, we have an unbelievably robust labor market right now. And that January number shows it. Now, is it an anomaly? We're going to find out. In early March, we will get the February number. But the gains were across the board, across the board. You had leisure and hospitality attribute 128,000 of those new jobs. That was number one. That was the industry with the most new jobs, leisure and hospitality, which is, again, I think we can all agree, this is a continuing trend post-pandemic of workers finally coming back out after, I guess they've run out of money, stimulus check money. Maybe they made a little money in the market and got out before everything crashed. Uh, They've been living in mom's basement, whatever. And we know all these for sale, for sale, yeah, these help wanted signs at restaurants and bars and retail stores. And now a lot of them are coming out down because people are going back to work. Well, it just showed up in the January numbers. Second, trade and transportation. So we know that there has been a really a, a, a huge gap between what the trucking industry needs and how many people have been actually working. Well, 63,000 new jobs in trade and transportation. Healthcare, more than 58,000 new jobs. Temp, temp services, 26,000. Construction, oh my goodness, that was actually good to see. There's been this gnashing of teeth over the real estate market, as if we're going to repeat 2008. I have been on record saying no way is that happening. We're going to see a return to normalcy in the housing market where you're not going to put your house on the market and get 23 bids that day, 21 of them over what you're asking for with 14 of them being all cash. I'm slightly exaggerating, of course, but you know what I'm talking about. So that indeed has waned. But to say that we're going to have some big crash in the housing market, I don't believe is, well, it certainly hasn't happened, and I don't think it is going to happen outside of some of your hotter markets like San Jose, which is Silicon Valley, Las Vegas, maybe areas of Phoenix, Scottsdale. I mean, some of those areas perhaps. But the rest of the regular country and and, and normal residential real estate, no, I don't see it. And it's nice to see that construction added 25,000 new jobs. And if you look at housing stocks, 
Go online and just look at an ETF of housing stocks or just pick any of them like Toll Brothers and Lennar. You'll see there has been a huge increase in those stocks. The market's telling you that that is an, a very much alive industry still. The only sector that lost jobs, no surprise, the aforementioned Silicon Valley. Tech jobs were the only area where we saw a decline, and we know that because of the headline news, you know, Twitter and Facebook and Google all laying off people. But outside of that, a very robust jobs market, which is good. So if we're going to fall into a recession, it's going to be a while because right now the economy is still pretty hot. We'll be back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.